Hello, everybody, and welcome to the third episode of Dual Experiences. Here, we're going to be talking about just general study habits, particularly because we're all stuck in the pandemic, and it's just hard to wrap our heads around wrap our heads around just organizing everything. I mean, I have a little work table, but it just gets all messy, and some of you might even use your rooms. And so, where the heck do you get started? So today joining us, we will have two special guests. Um, we have Sarah Iruso and Sydney Sanifer, and they're both our friends from IB. Um, so super stoked to have you guys here. Again, thank you so much for making the time out of your lives to join our episode. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thanks. Interesting opportunity. Can't say that. I don't think most people can say that they've done a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so ever since COVID-19 started, this pandemic have, you know, really impacted so many different aspects of our life. And one of them is our schooling and our education. You know, before the pandemic, we were in our classroom having uh, in-person discussions, but now it's almost like our houses and our rooms have become a new school where we just take our like classes and do our homework. So, you know, especially since this environment is something that's pretty new to us, there's definitely a lot of challenges that we face as students. So for me, I've talked to a lot of friends and we were discussing about how since this is a remote environment, we really have to hold ourselves accountable to a lot of the homework and schools that we do. Um, so, you know, are there any challenges that you guys face due to this online learning? Yeah. Definitely. Um, For me, for the most part, is like organization, knowing like what assignments are due when. I feel like pre-COVID and like pre-online learning, it was very easy for me to like be in class and then like write down the assignment. But then when we switched to online learning, it was just kind of posted there. And I didn't take like account for myself to go and write that down because I just I was like, oh, it's there. Like, I'll just like remember it's there. I'm not doing too good at that one. (laughs) For me, it's focusing I get distracted by this noise this truck or car going down the street that I hear my dog doing something or my family doing something and so it's just losing track of my focus and then I'm no longer focused on what I'm doing I'm focusing on what's happening around me yeah I think those are really good points I you know notice a lot of my focus kind of just drowning off in um, this learning environment um, that's remote and, you know oftentimes my younger sister just barges in my room when I'm in the middle of classes asking me to help her with math homework and you know just looking at her art so there's definitely like different aspects of my family and just social life and school are almost like blended in into one uh, with this learning environment so I definitely feel um, a lot of struggles that you guys are feeling um, And I think it's just kind of cool to think that, okay, we're in this struggle, but we're kind of in it together. So it's it's just something that we have to cope up with and um, learn from one another. Yeah, it's interesting that um, you, Devisha and Sydney, note that you get all sorts of distractions. We are at home after all. I'm just uh, remembering that when we were at school, there's basically an entire field around us. So you wouldn't hear cars going by. You really wouldn't hear students. I mean, they'd rarely go down the halls as for the most part, regulated. At home, you have none of that. You don't have any supervisors. You don't have any way to necessarily block out any siblings or family members. And so it can really be hard to manage. I do have a lot of space in my house and I can go to a lot of different places, but I can still be distracted. And I do hear an occasional car here and then. And so it, it is kind of hard to focus. So, you know, we often face these challenges, but I'm just curious about what are some ways that you guys tackle 
a lot of these struggles that you're feeling at home, whether that be the lack of focus due to distractions or struggles with organization and just, you know, being aware of all the assignments that are due at the end of the week. I try to make sure um, that I do keep myself on track. I found, you know, like the week before Thanksgiving break, I really didn't write down anything I had to do. So then during Thanksgiving break, I was like, wait, do I have more work than what I did write down? And so I make sure I write it down and then I make sure I cross it off. I find that so satisfying crossing off your homework when you get it done. And so I want to cross it off. I want to get it done. So I make sure I write it down. I basically, I force myself to write it down. My agenda sits in front of me. So I write down what I'm doing and when it needs to get done. Yeah, what I've started doing is going like class by class and having one browser open for each class. So like for English, I would have multiple tabs open in like one window and then I would have one with like the daily agenda and one with classroom, one with the assignment open. And then once I finished that assignment or like I was done with English, I would just close that window. So it was, I don't have to worry about this, don't stress about it. And then for the distraction parts of it, I don't do school in my room because I have too many distractions in my room that I like go downstairs and I like sit at like my dining room table and work there. And honestly, I think there's more distractions. Like there's different types of distractions in each place. Cause like when I'm up here, like there's so many little like knickknacks that I play with cause I'm a collector, I guess. And, but when I'm downstairs, like I can hear people talking. I, my brother sits like right across from me. So I'm often listening to his course when I don't have my headphones in so like there's just different types of distractions in two different places so I kind of just try to tune out everything else my sister and I both work at a dining room table across from each other and most times we're both in classes at the same time because we have the same schedule but you know we're siblings we have random conversations in the middle of class I there's a dog that lays behind me like I try to focus it out as well and I do put my headphones in so I'm just focusing on that but I feel like with distractions some of them they just happen and you can't control that so you just have to be like okay that happened now I need to refocus my attention I think that's a really good idea, though, of almost, you know, creating like this new workspace for when you're doing your schoolwork. I actually do my schoolwork and, you know, attend all my classes in my room itself. And on this table, you know, I watch YouTube and at the same time, I do a lot of my studying here as well. So I don't really have that separate environment. Um, but I think that's a really clever way to just almost force yourself that, okay, once I get into my study environment, that's all I'm going to do. I'm just going to study and, and try to eliminate a lot of distractions that I'm facing. So yeah, I, I really like the idea of creating two different environments, one for like personal and one more oriented towards work. And I think that's definitely going to be something that I, I also just want to well. note, this is an interesting study. I believe it was from the University of Hawaii. But this exact issue with studying in your room is the exact same as college students studying in their dormitories. I mean, before, during, or heck, after the pandemic, it's still an issue for college students. They may only have their dormitory and they may not go anywhere else. So what effect does that have? So these researchers at the University of Hawaii, they tested a very simple thing. They asked a group of students to buy this little lamp and solely use that lamp for studying. And they saw that the students that used this lamp were more successful in their classes or were able to focus more than those without that lamp. So even just that little changes like that, using a certain pencil, they said using a learning certain lamp heck even a certain app and i think that can just help you focus and if you have that lamp on or if you're using that special thing you know it's time to study you're not going to slack around and you're actually going to go to your agenda or however you find your assignments and 
just get it done. That's a cool idea, having that like one specific thing for studying, either like that one location or that one light. Because then you know, if I'm at this place or if that's on, like I need to be studying, that's what needs to be happening. Yeah, it's like that whole like studying habit, like where chewing gum helps you remember stuff or like color coding things. Yeah, and I think it's it's really important to have a different object because we're all using our computers right now. But if you just think about it, you use your computers every single day. You have to use them from class. As Tavisha said, she uses it for YouTube. I use, use mine my laptop for YouTube and it's really just hard to get away from my laptop just because I can take it around it's so flexible and so you just kind of have to find ways to force yourself in studying and heck just turn down the turn off the computer if you need to do some assignments on paper if you can. Sydney brought up earlier how you know she kind of writes down all of her assignments and I do that too Sydney I actually have like a digital copy as well so basically anytime I have a homework uh, that's posted I just go to my Google Doc and I jot down the due date and how much time I want to spend on it. But I grab a sticky note and I jot down all the assignments that I need to do and I have it like right in front of me. So once I get one assignment done, I literally cross it out so hard. And I I agree with you that there's a sense of satisfaction. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And it just keeps you want to go more, you know, it just uh, motivates me to just continue and get all my assignments crossed out for that day. So that's a definitely very efficient way for me to stay motivated, write it down and cross it out when I'm done. And something like I've done as well. So I have my agenda that I just, I write everything down. Then on the weekends, on Saturday morning, I make a separate to-do list of my assignments I'm getting done that weekend. So I'm not looking at my agenda that's got everything because that's a lot of work. And I think feel like when you look at just the huge amount of it, you get more stress than if you break it down into smaller amounts. And so I just, on my phone, I create a checklist and then I do that assignment and I check it off. And I don't really look at my agenda over the weekend, except for maybe I put a random note in there or something. I just look at that small weekend to-do list and it makes it more manageable, I feel. Yeah, no, I definitely agree because this is something that like I've definitely struggled with with online learning and like getting to this point where like I have to section class by class in a different window browser is if I have a list of like every single assignment that I have to do, I get so overwhelmed so easily. Like I'll like look at it and be like, "Uh, no thank you. (laughs) And then just like there was this one time where I got like so overwhelmed that I just got up and walked away where I just couldn't do that. And I had to like separate myself from that stressful situation. Well, I think it's important to consider as well. I try to write everything down that I can. I kind of just use my main platform, Google Classroom, just to make sure I've gotten all my assignments done and try not to check if I've done something too late. There have been occasions where I've forgot, forgotten a thing or two, but I think I've gotten better. I think just another thing is just making sure you give yourself enough breaks because if you're just doing homework for many many hours and especially if it's late at night because oops you forgot something then you're not going to do so well in that homework and maybe it's a bit big project and you're not going to get as many points and then that just makes more stress and you won't get more stuff done it's kind of an endless cycle and you're not sure where to go from there so i think it's just helpful to make sure that you're doing the best that you can and i've seen that it's good to do 30 minute chunks of homework and then kind of have five minute breaks you don't need a 30 minute break maybe that's for like lunch or dinner but if you have a lot to do that weekend you can still get it in but it's just important to have even some breaks maybe you can get it down from five minutes to one minute it just depends for each person and how much homework they have and something i found is if i'm not focusing 
Like this was happened to me yesterday. I sat down to do my English journal and I could not focus. Every five minutes, like I just sat down, I was just getting started. But every five minutes I was checking my phone or I was staring off into space thinking about something. And like I even, I separated my phone. I put my phone in my bedroom and I went back down and I still couldn't focus. And so I found that if you aren't focusing on something and you try to do it, it's like what Oscar said, you're gonna lose points or it's not gonna be your best work. And so if you're not focusing, maybe do take a longer break and come back to it. It's just don't do things when you're not focused because it's not your best work and you just don't feel as accomplished, I feel. At the same time, I think, um, you know, you brought up a very valid point, Sydney. Um, but oftentimes, I have at least told myself that, you know, I just i am not in the mood of doing homework at this moment or I'm just not focused at this moment. But that feeling just continues on and that's where procrastination kicks in. And um, so I definitely think that we should kind of just set restrictions on ourselves in order to avoid procrastination and just manage our time so much more wisely. There's actually a um, time management and just attention management technique called Pomodora. Um, And in this, what you're basically doing is that you're working completely focused uh, without any distractions for 25 minutes and taking a five minute break. So Oscar, like you mentioned, it's, it's kind of similar idea. And during that five minute break, you just do whatever you want to really just rejuvenate yourself and make sure you're ready to start working again. And I find that this technique helps me so much, um, not just in terms of managing my work, but also managing my attention. So when I'm in that 25 minute section, 100% attention is just on the task that I'm doing. And I, I try to isolate any distractions, whether that be like social media from my phone or notifications on my computer. I eliminate all that and 25 minutes is just directed to my work. So I just find that to be so effective and maybe it might work for you as well. But I think overall, just, you know, the uh, process of figuring out what works for you is it's kind of like an experiment. It's just trial and error. You know, you try one thing, maybe that doesn't work. So you move on to the next thing. And it's just kind of like a journey of figuring out what type of student you are and what methods work for you. And I think with remote learning, the hardest part is so many of us had to change our methods because we would go to school and we do our learning there and then we do the homework at home. And so you'd have your place to do your homework. But now for a lot of us, the place you did your homework is now also the place you're doing your schoolwork and where you're doing your learning, where you're spending the bulk of your day. And so you have to change your methods and rethink how are you going to focus and separate the learning part of school from just the homework part of school. And I think there's another important point to that and that we can only switch attention so often. We really can't multitask. We really can't write two things at once or look at social media and try to do our homework. As it turns out, we actually just quickly switch between them and we may not tell a difference. But really, you're just not being productive because you're only spending seconds on homework and eventually you're just being dragged into social media or anything else, maybe a family member. And you're really just not getting stuff done. So you just kind of have to keep in mind, just turn off the cell phone. If you need it on, fine, but just don't do anything with it. You don't necessarily need it at that moment. Yeah, it's like oh, that person, that Snapchat can wait, or that text from your friend can wait. Like, just spend, like, X amount of time on this assignment. Your friends can un- will understand later that, like, your homework's more important than them. Like, you succeeding in school is more important than them because you can always talk to them later. Yeah, one of my biggest challenges lately has been keeping my phone away from my workspace because I found even during school, 
there are times when I'm looking at it when I really probably shouldn't and I should be focusing on the classwork we're doing. And so finding a system, just keep telling myself I have to put this down. I have to put it in some different location away from me. Because even like in school, I just put it in my backpack, but you're so focused on class and like you get in trouble if you have it out. Whereas even now I put it in my backpack, but I can still just grab it because my backpack's sitting next to me. Right, and it's not, and your teachers like can't take that away from you. Like, what are they gonna do? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's definitely like a lack of social pressure that we had in school, you know, with teachers supervising us, and we also saw a lot of our peers working. So, you know, since we set ourselves in that environment, we worked along as well. But at home, we have to hold ourselves accountable for a lot of that. And with the phone that you mentioned, Sydney, I actually like to keep my phone like in airplane mode when I'm during um, school. So I'm not too distracted with the notifications or if it gets too bad, I take my phone and put it in the basement where I can't really access it that often. So I physically just move any distractions that I have. And that's one way to, you know, eliminate distractions. But I think Sydney also talked about before how there's some things that are just out of your control, you know, like your dog barking or some of your family members coming in your room. And and those are things that, that just happen. You know, we don't have control about everything in our life. And it can be quite stressful when we try to control everything in our life. So just kind of make peace with them. It's like, okay, they come and go. You just keep focused on your task. And yeah, it's just, it's part of life, you know, and it's just part of adapting to this new challenge and new environment that we're facing. It's definitely a learning experience. I, I, at the beginning of it, it was very much like, oh, I can do this. Not much is going to change. I'm going to keep my same organization habits, same motivation habits. Nope. (laughs) Completely had to learn whole new, different, different habits, I guess, which Honestly, out of the many that I've tried, the one that I'm on, the Windows and Tabs, is not a perfect system. I miss the occasional assignment, which sucks, and it doesn't feel good. But, like, that's what you learn from, is, like, sometimes you have to make the mistake in order to get the lesson. And I think a good amount of people don't realize that there are different, like, study habits that they can do. Like, they could be struggling on one and be like, I have no other solution. There's no solution to this. I'm just going to struggle and be miserable when they could easily go and ask for help from someone else to like, I need help finding a new study habit so that I'm not doing terrible, which I don't like, I think it's harder now to go and ask someone for that because you don't know that they're in like a similar situation, even though they are. I feel like asking for help, whether it's your peers or your teachers, has something that's just kind of declined. Like with my friends in our main group chat, we just complain. We complain about what's happening. We don't tend to find a solution to what's happening, though. Whether they are major problems or just tiny, small problems. And the solutions might be very simple, but you're just so stuck on that one system or that one complaint that that one solution doesn't seem possible. Yeah, what Sarah brought up, I think, and what Sydney talked about as well is a pretty good point. We often view mistakes and our struggles in a very, you know, dark light. You know, anytime we make a mistake, we almost become more conscious about ourselves and we're not so confident in ourselves. But honestly, changing our mindset and seeing mistake as a positive thing, seeing it as a source of learning and knowledge can really help us. You know, if you make a mistake, you just know one way um, that doesn't work and you're not going to repeat that again. So again, that's just a learning experience and changing your mindset to really see these as something that's positive can, I think, help us during this entire time where we're bound to make struggles since this is an environment that we're not really that used to. 
Now, I am curious, uh, Sarah and Sydney, do you particularly struggle with certain subjects other than other than some others, or is it about the same? What are your experiences with that? So I'll kind of start off here because I have an interesting situation with IB because I am in lower math class. I have to take IB Math AI next year. I had to completely change my like math situation and I personally am like pretty good at math. This entire semester of Algebra 2, super easy, fly by, have an A in that class. Now I try not, I'm trying like not to brag about that, but I'm just like more advanced in math. Um, not so much in my French class. Ah, uh, me too. <laughs> I think that is the class that gives me the most anxiety and stress. Yep. And I freak out pretty much every time I go to that class. Um, it's mostly oral-based right now. And um, yeah, I don't like it really hard. Uh, I My motivation in that class is absolutely zero. Because I just... I can't understand it. I'm very much like split down the middle with classes I'm doing great in and classes I'm not doing great in. I'm in the same boat as Sarah. My chemistry class and my math class, I do great. I'm very much an algebraic. French is the reason my anxiety shoots up every cardinal day because I, part of it, I'll admit, is we have some really good students in that class and I'm afraid of messing up and then them calling me out or judging me on it, I will admit that I'm afraid of that. That is something that scares me in that class. But it's also when our teacher talks and then she just gives us a blank stare because no one says anything. And then slowly people start to like either translate what she said or answer her question. And I'm still sitting there like, I have absolutely no idea what you just told us to do. So I was actually going to bring up that point myself, but I do want to ask before I get into that. How do you study French on your own? Do you just do the assignments or do you have other strategies? This is bad, but I will admit that I just do the work assigned. And once I finish that flood of relief, I'm done with French for the day or whatever. I should do more, especially because it's an IB class. Yeah, I mean, our teacher, she gives us quizlets that we can use and then gives us a quiz on them. So it like kind of like forces us to study. But when it comes to like knowing vocabulary compared to the subjunctive, I probably couldn't even tell you what the subjunctive is. Um, I'm actually taking Spanish at our school. And I think the teacher is doing an amazing job. And in addition to learning just the vocab and the grammar, what I've noticed is that I listen to a lot of Spanish songs. And anytime that I want to watch a movie, I kind of force myself to watch it in Spanish and then have like English subtitles. And I think that has really helped me to understand this language in a more practical sense, you know, in the sense of just having to talk to someone in Spanish instead of, you know, just doing all the paperwork. Because I've noticed that when I actually write Spanish, it's it's very easy for me to maybe write a couple paragraphs or an essay in Spanish, but it's so much harder to actually communicate with people in that designated language since, you know, you just have to think in spot. So doing little things like listening to songs in your language that you're learning or watching movies in that language can really help you. And I think it's helped me out a lot. And it just uh, increases my curiosity about this language. Yeah, that that's just some ways that I tackle learning new languages. It's actually funny that you mentioned that because I listen, there'll be times where I'll be like driving in my car somewhere and I'll be like, you know what? I'm going to put my French playlist on. I probably don't know what they're saying 90% of the time, but like 
French music, like, it's fun. Yeah. It's a fun thing to listen to. Like, you can have, like, a good, like, jam, like, sesh to it. Like, it's fun <laughs> to listen to. But, I mean, like, listening to it, like, over and over and over again, like, you understand more of it the more you're listening to it. Yeah. My sister and I, so my sister's also taking French. And so, basically, our French classes are back-to-back. We just play a French playlist that we have through that through those two blocks and so we've been doing that since the start of the school year but like outside of listening to that french playlist in those two blocks i don't really listen to it i do have one or two songs on my main playlist but it's like sarah said i mean the french music is very interesting and very fun to just jam to but unless i focus on that singular song i really don't know what they're talking about yeah, I mean, we, we studied a couple songs, like, this semester in our French class, and those are on my playlist. Like, mm-hmm. that Magic in the Air song, it's it's a fun song. You <laughs> should listen to it, because it's not entirely in French, um, because there's English in it. So you're not trying to focus, like, all of your attention on all of the words. Like, you can go section by section, like, separating each section with the English, if that makes sense. When learning a language... Taking a step back and looking at the English, whether it's translating it and you're using word reference or like looking at the English part of it and translating my stuff, I found makes it easier. And then the next time, most of the time, I can like make the connection where like, oh, travailler. Oh, that's work, not travel. Um, Now, that was a problem last year. But like it's after seeing those words together... I can then make the connection later that that's what that word is. You ask a 16-year-old girl who to learn a brand new language, it's not easy. So you have to take those like occasional steps to translate something that maybe you know, but you aren't 100% sure on. Yeah, and I think with learning a language, it's all about exposure. You know, the more you're exposed to, the more you will pick things up. And I kind of like to think of this like math or physics or any science-based class, the more practice you have, you know, more uh, efficient you'll get at it and more just used to you'll get at it. And then it would just start to feel more normal. You know, the process of just struggling is something that's built in. And if you don't struggle at first and if you just know everything, I mean, what's the point of learning, you know? So I genuinely love to kind of see struggles and my mistakes in a positive light. I kind of mentioned that before. But it really is a mindset thing. If you change your mindset and you tune it to think of these challenges as something that will give you an opportunity to learn more, you will pick up on those opportunities. So that's kind of like my take with struggles, not just in language subject, but just any skill that you're doing in general in life. Um, Sydney, you kind of mentioned before how with, you know, French, you were kind of afraid of messing up. And uh, you were just scary that people would judge you. And I think I have definitely been there, especially in middle school. I had this set definition that I want to be, you know, like this perfect student that has all the right answer, you know, has answers to all the questions that teachers ask. Honestly, I noticed that when I set that expectation of myself, it's just so stressful because once you don't really know an answer, you feel bad about yourself. But in reality, I mean, you know, it's not like we know the entire universe. There's so many things that are out there that we're completely unaware of. You know, from middle school to high school, I've definitely learned to accept my mistakes. And I think it really is a journey of figuring out how to change your mindset about how to look at things 
like your mistakes and struggles in a much positive light so that they can help you out. And it's not something that you'll just, you know, master overnight. It takes practice, um, like anything, but it's a skill. And like any other skill, you can do it. You know, it's not something that's just innate in you. So it just comes to time, comes to practice, and comes to the experience, just interacting with your learning. I also just want to address, all of you did mention one thing about language learning, and I think this is super important to keep in mind. It's all about the comprehension in the end. I know a lot of people have been saying practice, 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 and I think that's important. But I don't necessarily think practice makes perfect. And I say that because I know you, Sydney, and you, Sarah, you've been hearing French basically for three years. You've been listening to songs. You've been listening to your teacher. And heck, you've been listening to other classmates. But in the end, it's just still hard to comprehend it. And so where do you really go on with that? I basically had the same struggle in my target language, German, and I've just been trying to figure out okay, I have a basic understanding of the language, but I don't know the, these new words. I don't know how to do the workbook. And so I've just been trying to find my own ways. And I've been looking at this interesting researcher, Stephen Krajan, and he's a really interesting fellow. But one of the things, he's basically a linguist, linguist. And he came up with this hypothesis called the comprehension hypothesis, also the input hypothesis that the key to learning language is understanding the messages in that language or from, say, a French person or from a German person in their native tongue. And it's not necessarily just saying things over and over and over. The counterintuitive thing that he said was that talking repeatedly doesn't necessarily help. Now, if you're starting a new language, you definitely need to know how to pronounce it. Um, this is a new thing I've been doing. I've been trying to teach myself Russian. And I'll be interesting and just there's a whole new alphabet. But I am starting with pronunciation. But after that, as I'm doing with German, I just want to look at, okay, what videos can I find? They can be as slow as I need them to be. But I just want to make sure I can find videos that are full of graphics that I can see really what the message is. Because if I can't see what the message is or the basic idea, I can't really use a vocabulary. And that's another thing. Can you use a vocabulary? Can you actually apply it? Because it can be a set list, but I don't think you really are taking in the language that way. And one of the goals of language learning is, at least for me, to be able to think about the language, to be able to think in German or in French or in Spanish. And that might work in school for some people. Some people love to memorize, and that's great for them. But just for me, I think it's just better to be able to understand it a lot more than it is to just memorize vocabulary. I think for me personally, part of it definitely is memorization and knowing the vocab and like, think of it like you could take it in like different steps. Um, the first one you can take is like just getting the vocab. And then the second one is studying and memorizing the vocab. And then the third one is translating the vocab. Like when you hear it, you can like translate it to the next one. And then the last and final step is not even translating at all and just knowing the words. I know Ms. Pies had said at one point, like when we say bonjour, I don't even translate that to, to like, hello. Okay. It just, I just know like bonjour, like that's it. Like, oh, hi, bonjour, hi. Um, Kind of getting to that point is how I think it would helps me mostly. Like there are sentences like "How are you today?" or like "Sava." Like that just doesn't translate because I've known it for so long. Getting to that point with every new piece of vocab that I get—that's how I try and do it. It doesn't always work. Like kind of like you said, like getting to like think in the language. Um, 
I just kind of take multiple steps, no matter how long that step takes, I try and get there eventually. Eventually is the key word in that statement, because for me, I can memorize a song, I could memorize lines or whatever job I need to do for theater, I can memorize that. But memorizing a list of vocab words, I have struggled with that since day one of French freshman year. When we got our first vocab list, I was like, I can do this. And I made a Quizlet and I did that Quizlet, but still when it came time to do a quiz or use that vocab in a conversation, I blanked. It was gone. And so that has been one of my problems is the fact that I've basically been struggling with French since day one. And I'll admit that there have been times where I'm playing catch up because I struggled with this, but we, we have to move forward. The class still moves on. So then I have to figure out what I was missing there, plus adding on all the new stuff. I have tried to find ways that aren't quite memorization, and I haven't found one that works. But I can't sit there and try to memorize things in just the form of like reading the list over and over again or doing it with a Quizlet. I have found like making songs or rhymes out of things helps for me like with our con- with the conjugation patterns for verbs. If I create a little bit of a rhyme or I speak them in a rhythm of sorts, I tend to remember it better than if I just say the conjugations. That and patterns. Mm-hmm. Looking for like patterns between things with like verbs especially. Majority of the ER verbs minus the irregulars conjugate exactly the same way so like having to like look for like different patterns and different things I think also helps me in different ways right and then memorization is a you know big part of learning language but like Oscar mentioned it's not the only thing (laughs) and I don't think it's the only thing because at the end of the day how I view language is that it's an opportunity for me to connect with a lot of people that I couldn't really connect with before without the language and it's just to communicate my ideas and one of the ways I really practice this is just implementation you know whatever I learn in class I like to just try it out Um, I have a couple of friends that speak Spanish as their native language and I just try to test my skills with them you know and just have conversations with them I remember that once I went to New York and I ordered um, like a burrito in Qdoba and instead of asking in English I tried my Spanish out and I asked for my food in Spanish and of course it wasn't like perfect and I don't think that's a goal of language it isn't to be perfect it's to communicate that's my take on language at least not just memorization but implementation and just communicating and trying it out. I feel like that thought of, you know, not being perfect, it messes with some people, I feel like, because if you're taking a test or a quiz, you want to be perfect because you want that 100%. But then when you're implementing a language just in your everyday life, you don't have to be 100%. You can miss something here or there as long as you're clear enough you'll get your message across. But I feel like because we have this stress to learn this material so we can get perfect grades on our homeworks and perfect grades on our assignments and things, that then when we go to try to implement it, this thought of, oh, we have to be perfect is still stuck in our minds at times. And so then we mess up and then we're hard on ourselves or we don't want to mess up. So therefore we don't try it. We don't do it. Another aspect I think that's just important is just trying to keep the learning fun as much as you can. If you're just, if you're bored, just memorizing vocab, maybe just try to listen to some sentences or a person speak on the topic for that. 
vocabulary and to see if that doesn't better. At the end of the day, I think we're all different learners. All, all of us do well with memorization. All of us do well with just doing ways teachers expect us to do homework assignments or tests. Yeah, it's interesting that you bring up like we're all like different types of learners because I I've definitely had that like, oh, I do IB. Oh, so you're a smart kid. Yes, but also no. Sure, I am smart in some of my classes, which is why I want to take IB classes is because I want to be more challenged in that class. But I didn't do IB because I was smart. I did IB because I wanted to be challenged in a different way of learning. And I think that's a huge misunderstanding that a lot of people have about IB is that they think, oh, it's for smart kids, but it's just a different way of learning, like an honors class or an AP class. And I don't think people get that. Like they just look at you and you're like, you have the sweatshirt or you have the water bottle. Like you walk into the IB class, you walk into EE, but you only are doing that because you want a different way of learning. You're not trying to do it to be the smartest person. You're not trying to do it to, well, I guess some people will be trying to do it to get better, like, college credit. But there's, like, the whole aspect of, like, different way of learning that comes with that that a lot of people don't understand and just ignore. That being, oh, you're an IB student, you're one of the smart kids. I vividly remember being told that freshman year when someone asked, I think what seminar I was in or something like that. And I just remember thinking like, I'm really not like, I don't get straight A's. I have failed my fair share of quizzes and tests. I just, for me, I think of it as I do IB because I want to push myself. I want to try to do more. Yeah. Does that cause stress? Yeah. But I did. It was my choice. Therefore, I have to find a way to manage that. But yeah, that's something I vividly remember is just being told I'm the smart kid because I'm taking IB. Yeah, those are some similar reasons why I took IB in the first place. It really was to challenge myself. And I remember uh, one teacher told us about how, you know, if you have more questions at the end of the class than answers, that's even better because you are challenging yourself and you are pushing yourself to move out of your comfort zone. And doing IB or taking challenging classes doesn't really mean you're smart. It just means that you're willing to put in the work and you're willing to make sacrifices and you're, you're just curious about learning. So it isn't about smart. I would agree with you guys. It's, it's just about exploring. At least that is how I also agree I with see. that being just being an explorer, being an inquirer and just being a hard worker, just doing the things that need to be done. And I know next semester I'll be doing CAS. So not only just doing the schoolwork, but also just trying to integrate activities in your lives, which I think in any case are important to do, but there's all those aspects you really don't get with any other curriculum that exists at the time being, at least. On the topic of IB, I guess I don't think a lot of people know this, so I guess I'll just say it now, but it's not it's not like, like a super big thing, but um, for me, throughout this semester especially, with online learning, knowing that this most likely will continue into next semester, I have had so much stress that I have been getting bloody noses weekly and I ended up like having that good old IB cry that Mr. B said almost three to three to four times a week and it got so much for me that I emailed Davis the week before break and I said I can't do it anymore and I'm dropping IB next semester. No Sarah we'll miss you. 
I'll still be in some IB classes, not French, I'm dropping that one, um, but yeah, I'll be in some IB classes. It's just, I, I just got too much for me with um, online learning, and like IB in itself is hard. Everyone's told me that. So like, it was just, it was like the last straw on the camel kind of thing. So I guess now people know. I've only told like, I think four people. But Sarah, this is nothing to be ashamed of. You know, I'm it's not like if you do IB, you're going to be like this amazing, successful person. It really isn't. <laughs> and it's actually amazing that you found it. You know, the IB wasn't your cup of tea. And that's completely fine as well. There's literally, I have equal amount of respect for people who do IB and don't because like I said, IB is not like that one solution to, you know, all the problems in your life. And it's not definitely not. <laughs> definitely not for everyone. I definitely definitely figured that out like previous to pre-ib like i would volunteer my own time with my community and then when COVID hit like that got taken away so like i think the whole COVID thing like really impacted my mental health level as well so like that's like what i said like just multiple things had like piled up on my own plate where i just i couldn't do it anymore like it's not that like i don't want to do it anymore like i think it'd be like a great opportunity to do but right now for like me i just it it just won't work for me which i'm proud of myself for getting to this point but i'm also like upset with myself that i didn't get to this point sooner and put myself through all of this stress but you know it is what it is we were talking about the different everybody's a different learner and so you tried this way of learning and it didn't work for you so now you're going to go try something new and do something new. And I feel like that's perfectly okay. I mean, if you look at our school, we have so many different options that everybody could find the learning pathway for them and the system of learning that works for them. It's yep. just the matter of figuring out what that is. And you might have trial and error. You might do something for a mess for a semester and be like that didn't work gotta find something new yeah and i definitely think this semester of online learning and ib combined together definitely is gonna help me in the future with my study habits mm -hmm. in all honesty because ib was just so much you had to like juggle so many different things that you needed a sense of organization because if you didn't there you go down the rabbit hole so definitely something to take out of the IB curriculum classes that I am taking and will be taking next year like I'm still taking my IB math class and I'm still taking psychology and I'll still be taking biology but English and history I decided that those weren't the path for me and I'll be taking a different um, path with English and history but I'm gonna take the study habits that I've learned in IB for the semester that I was in IB for and apply them to the next semester. And if they don't work, they don't work. And I'll just learn from that, like we mentioned before. Sarah, I love how you're looking at this as, you know, an opportunity of just figuring out who you are as a student, but also taking, you know, the positive parts that you found out of IB and applying that to your future studies. So I honestly applaud you for that, for not only figuring out what works for you as a student, but looking at it in a much positive light and looking at it in ways that can help you future on. Um, but honestly, uh, I would agree with you that this semester has definitely been quite challenging for me as well, not just in terms of IB, but my mental health. You know, I, I missed 
going in classes, interacting with friends. And it almost feels like when I'm sitting home, it's like all these different aspects of my life are just kind of intertwining and I can't really make sense out of them. Before this pandemic in school, I had a separate time for working out and separate time with my family and separate time for school. And now it's just, everything's just kind of like getting combined. And I don't know where the boundaries are and how to separate those things. And that kind of gets me frustrated at times. But I think overall, it's been a good experience in just figuring out what works for me. I realize that if I don't work out and if I don't exercise or play sports, my mood just just goes down immensely. So I need that as a part of my life. And, you know, I'm, I'm just grateful for learning those aspects of myself that I wasn't really that aware of before this pandemic happened. So yeah, it's, it's not like you're the only one struggling there, Sarah. I definitely feel uh, what you're going through. Um, but again, applaud you for just figuring that out for yourself. Yeah. And then, I mean, Davis and like our teachers, like, and my counselor and my parents who are super supportive, super, super thankful for them, have just been like so supportive and helpful in this process. Because I didn't know how to go about it. I could show you the list of questions that I had for Davis that I had. I got on a Zoom. I was like, I need to know this, 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 and this. And then she gave me those answers. And it was super helpful to just get some like understanding of it. So yeah, just definitely a process to get here. And I'm, I'm relieved that I'm here now, knowing that um, hopefully, fingers crossed, next semester will be a little less stressful than this one was. <laughs> I just, I just, I'm just gonna say, I think we're all holding out for next semester to just kind of take us from this downhill and just slowly start to go uphill and back towards some semblance of normal and what we're used, what we were used to back at the beginning of this year. Yes, I would agree. And I think just to think about like study habits in general, I think it's not only important to prioritize yourself as a student, but I think it's more important than to prioritize yourself as a person. Um, education and school makes a, a big part of your life. And I know it makes a pretty big aspect of my life as well. But that's not the only thing. You know, you have to do self-care and you have to do activities that help you cope up with all the stress that you're dealing with. And that all integrates uh, in, in making the person that you are now. You know, there's this concept of right body, right mind. And it's pretty simple. And what it basically says is that if you take care of yourself, you take care of your body, you take care of your mind um, at the same time and you take care of your brain. So it's just trying to balance all these different aspects of your life so that at the end of the day, you're just a more happy person and you just feel like you're living a much meaningful life, in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, I think like a part of that was like this summer, I had a summer job. Um, I think I've told about it to a couple of you, maybe not. Um, but I worked at a paddleboard company and I like rent paddleboards out to people and it was a fun job. I missed that job. Probably going to do it again. Um, but that just like made my life so much better because I could go and I could be out on the water and in a lake all day in the sunshine and I was happy. And then September hit and we closed and they closed at the end of September because it's kind of hard to go paddleboarding in winter in case you didn't know um and I think not having that like outlet I guess from like my home life and like the stress that was brought on from like the pandemic it definitely took a toll in my mental health like it was just another thing that added to my stress um so like I definitely think I should try and get some more exercise because I would get a lot of exercise during my job because I would be lifting 30 pound paddleboards 
a lot throughout the day, and I just don't have that anymore, and I kind of just end up laying in my bed, like, all day, and I think with that, like, my motivation was, like, just kind of, like, left, and I don't have a lot of motivation anymore, which definitely also impacts, like, my study habits and, like, being able to, like, sit down and, like, do the work. I eventually get there. I eventually, like, find, like, the smallest little bit of motivation, and I take that, and I manifest in it, and I go, and I do the work, and maybe it's not 100%, like, maybe it's only 50%, but it's, like, 100% of that 50%. Yeah, and just to wrap up our episode about, you know, study habits and all the different experiences we had as students during this remote learning, at the end of the day, I think we could all agree that each person is a unique learner and different methods work for each person. And it's all about figuring out uh, how you uh, manage and balance out all the different aspects of your life. And that just comes through experience and try and error like we talked about before. And even if it's not for education, if you're going to pursue an early job or some place in the workforce, it's so important to keep organized. If you don't get your stuff done, there's a risk that you can be fired or at least that you might have some penalties. So it's just important that you're able to have a checklist or know what the heck's going on and just be able to communicate with your coworkers or really anyone who you're working with at a job, at, at school. Do you have anything else to add, Sarah or Sydney or both? Like you said, it's definitely a learning experience with study habits, like, because not every study habit works for every single person. And I think that's something that is sometimes hard to, like, get your head wrapped around. Yeah, there's no one way. There's 10 gazillion different ways, and you just have to find the one that works. And that could take, you know, one week, or that could take three years. Just keep going at it, and you'll hopefully eventually find something. Yes, very well said. I think you just have to keep at it and just do whatever you need for yourself. So with that, we'll conclude our episode. And again, thank you so much for um, joining us today, Sydney and Sarah. Really appreciate your time. and We had a great conversation. Thank you for having us again. Yeah, of course. And we'll see see all of you on next episode of Dual Experiences.